Okay, chapter two. Now we are going to discuss Teshuva. Finally, <laughs> we're going to discuss Teshuva. Go over the questions from the beginning again. Sure. <laughs> forgot. Sure. Um, this is on the Pasuk of Ani Ladodi Vadodi Li Shoshanim. Right? I am my beloved, my beloved is to me who feeds me with roses. The question was, what's the connection between feeding us with roses, which represents the 13 attributes of mercy, and Elul? Why is Elul a time of Teshuvah? And then the Alter Rebbe answered, because Teshuvah hasn't got anything to do with sin. And now we've had a whole introduction to kind of how the world works and what role our mitzvahs play in drawing down light and what role our Torah plays in drawing down light. And now we're going to see, well, where does Teshuvah fall into all of this so that we can understand what is special about Elo? What is unique about the Yud Gimel Midot Tarachamim in Elo? Because Elo seemingly is just a regular month. It happens to be the month before Rosh Hashanah, but like what's, what's special about it? So we're not explicitly answering the question yet. Now we're going to speak about Teshuvah and then we're going to speak about First, we need to understand the role of Teshuvah and the difference between our role as people in this physical world versus souls and angels above. If I'm not mistaken, we spoke about this outside yesterday, and we're going to read it inside, right? I, did I tell you about the difference that um, angels and souls can't change? No? no? no. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. We did. Talk about how the way soul can change. Talk about how, like, when we're in the ability to change, we are stripped of physicality. Maybe there was, like, a really interesting conversation on this side of the table. Maybe you didn't say it specifically on angels. Souls and angels up in the spiritual world cannot change. Yeah. As opposed to us down here, we can change because we discussed the difference between the mamale and the soveid. Um, light that the what is going on in the spiritual world is that the souls are learning Torah and the same thing kind of works with angels they have different roles but but they also are called angels are called Aimdim right that's why in the Amidah we stand with our feet together because we're like angels during the Amidah we've reached such a lofty level so we stand with our feet together because angels it says that they stand with their feet like together they don't walk they just stand. We're called Hulkin. We move. We walk. We can change. And we said that is a byproduct of the fact that we do mitzvahs in this world. The mitzvahs draw down an excess amount of soviv kol into this world specifically. Not in a revealed way that we can see, but that is the reality of this world. And that allows us to change because soviv kol contains within it the infinite possibility for anything. So within soviv kol we can be good people. We can be bad people. We can change our destiny and our lives in a moment because infinite potentials exist there as opposed to the upper worlds where mamale is present where there's a very specific directed amount of light that is given to each level so whatever level a soul or an angel finds themselves on that's the level that they are they can't change they can't change and we said we can help them change right we can do things mitzvahs down here in the merit of somebody Um, up there who can then they can ascend a level and they do ascend levels every day in the morning afternoon and evening but it's not of their own choice they're not able to make the choice to change it's something that happens so to speak to to them as opposed to us we have been given free choice and we are able to tap into any choice that we can possibly choose and so we can change our life in a moment and that is really what teshuva is we said teshuva is the process of changing it's the process of returning to the truth of who we are, but that looks like changing. We change the way that we live our lives. We change the way that we see the world. We change the person that we are, and we can do that only in this world. 
So let's see that. So now we, we're, we remember what we spoke about? Yeah? Okay, so now let's go inside. See that inside. Page 22, chapter 2. The Hinek Siv, it is written in Parshat Va'etchanan, which is the story of when Moses was begging Hashem to forgive, um, to let him into Israel, right? Not to forgive the Jewish people. To let him into Israel, I'm pretty sure. And it says there, there's a verse in verse 11, which says that you should fulfill all my commandments, the three types of mitzvahs, the chukim, the edim, and the mishpatim. And then it ends off, hayom la'asotam, that you will do them today. These are the mitzvahs that I command you, and that you will do them today. It says, hayom dafka, do them today. What does it mean, do them today? What about tomorrow? Sheba'olam hazeh, because in this world where we find ourselves today, not tomorrow, which is the, where we'll find ourselves in the world to come, today is where we find ourselves in this world of action. Olam Hamas means the world of action. And only here we're able to do tshuva. This is not the case in Olam Haba. And, um, I think you asked what is the difference between Olam Haba. We say, so in this context, Olam Haba is talking about Gan Eden, okay? not Mashiach. So this is not the case in the upper spiritual worlds. However a person is, that is how he remains. Uh, sorry, not a person, but a, a being, a spiritual being. He does not have the power to transform himself from how he is right now. Unless something outside of himself comes and takes off the, the dirty garment, so to speak. Through Kafakela. Have you guys heard of Kafakela? Kafakela is one of the punishments that's detailed in the Tanya that are punishments or just, I don't know if you call it a punishment or just a repercussion of the soul's process from leaving this physical world behind and having to become a purely spiritual being to go into Gan Eden, one of the processes that it needs to go through is that it's, Kafakela is called like the slingshot, that it's thrown from one world to the other. First it's shown all the things that it did in this world that it could have done differently and then it's showed all the possibilities in the world to come and it's like this, um, it's this, it's this, being slung and thrown between the worlds. And that is a purification process where the soul does change, where the soul does remove all of the negative energies that it piled up onto itself during its lifetime. So a soul can change, but not of its own volition. Something outside of itself needs to put it through different processes so that it can change. He himself cannot change. What is the reason for this? Because about the world to come, it says, that the souls, they sit and they bask in the rays and they enjoy the rays of the Shekhinah. And you notice the term, they're sitting. They find themselves sitting in one place and they're enjoying from the rays of the Shekhinah. There's a rule that the moment we enjoy God, the moment we glorify God, right? We mentioned this. The moment we perceive God in any sort of way, that means that it's a very limited amount of godliness because God is imperceivable. God is never able to truly be understood. He's beyond comprehension, even spiritual comprehension. So the moment we say even about a spiritual being that it's sitting and enjoying, basking in the rays of the Shekhinah, learning about God and getting pleasure from it, that's a very limited amount of godliness. It's more than what we are revealed in this world, but it's still limited. It's not the truth. 
And what do they do? They sit and they learn Torah. And we said, Torah is mamale kol amen. So the spiritual beings are drawing down mamale, which is a very direct light, which limits them to the place that they are. Shehu elakut. This is because this, the souls uh, understand godliness, in a revealed way, which is a very amazing thing. That's, the, that's a reward. But it's still limited. The moment we say, this is a rule, the moment we say revelation about God, we mean... Um, what's the word? <laughs> no. The moment, a restriction. The moment we say revelation, we mean constriction, contraction. Because for God to be revealed, he has to limit himself. Revelation equals limitation. The truth is, it's, it works the same way with us. The moment you reveal something about yourself to somebody else, you're automatically limiting it. Because you can never truly convey the truth of who you are outward. It's impossible. Because there's always more to know. There's always more to you. There's so many possibilities. So just as speech limits our thoughts, and it ha- like speech on the one hand is revelation, but speech on the, on the other hand is concealment. It's limitation. It's limiting the infinity of our thoughts and our the infinity of our mind. Mm-hmm. You have a question? Um, could you just repeat the, you said the limitation of God, that sentence? Yeah, said? revelation, when we talk about God, and maybe other things as well, but revelation equals limitation. The moment we say that God is revealing himself or that somebody's tangibly experiencing God, it's very important to remember that there is a limitation there, okay? That God had to limit himself tremendously in order that a being that is so much lower than him can understand him in any way. Because the truth is that we can't really know being, even a spiritual being, no matter how lofty, can truly comprehend God. So God has to limit himself so that we can understand, and so we can understand him to some degree. So here we say, um, they understand godliness, in an intellectual way, in a revealed way. So on the one hand, this is a tremendous gift and reward. That is the reward of the world to come, that we can grasp elements and aspects of God that we can never grasp down here. But we must remember that comes with the cost of a very direct, limited amount of light that's able to be comprehended. The Imkain, and this means the fact that it's re- re- basking in the rays of Shrina and getting a revealed amount of God, that we're talking about because the light from Mamale is a revealed light, is a light that can be understood and comprehended. It permeates in a revealed way. That is what we said is Mamale Kolomen. And whenever we say, talk about the light of Mamale, it's a divided, individualized um, light. Kanal, Kaniskarlel, as we mentioned above, the Alken, and therefore, because it's a divided light, if he's getting this amount of light, if he's on this level, it's impossible for him to transform himself to another level. Because each level is different, is separate one from the other. And each creation, each spiritual being finds itself in his level and that's where he is stuck, basically. Until something maybe outside of himself will take him up another level. But whatever level he finds himself in, that's the amount of God that he gets to experience and that's it. That's the reality that he has, and that's it. Aval, however, that's not the case with us. But Olam Haze, in this world, yesh b'chinas ha'aras soviv kolam, and there is an 
revelation of the sov of Kolomim. And when we say revelation, not something that we can tangibly experience, but the sov of Kolomim is mainly present in this world because we discussed we're the only ones who could do mitzvahs and our mitzvahs draw down the sov of Kolomim. Even though this light is concealed, we cannot comprehend the truth of this light. If we did, by the way, we would no longer have free choice. If we truly comprehended the impact that our actions and our mitzvahs had on drawing down the infinity of God into this world, we would only do mitzvahs and we would never do averas. So part of, it's like almost like a package deal. Our capacity for choice comes from the fact that our, the results of our actions are concealed and hidden from us. So we cannot comprehend and perceive the results of our actions, the light that we're drawing down. But nevertheless, its effect is here in this world. And when Mashiach comes, we will be able to appreciate all of that which we did throughout the years. We'll be able to actually see it and comprehend it. And since we're talking about the light of Sov of Kolomen in this world, which is equal which everything before it is equal. We said like an airplane kind of taking off where everything below it, because it's so far away, looks the same. Good, bad, righteous, not righteous, tzaddik, rasha, as Eov. Have you guys heard of Eov? Job? Mm-hmm. The book of Job? Um, we're not really sure who he is. There's lots of different opinions um, about like when he lived. Um, but Eov says, Even if you're righteous, what are you giving God? And the idea is that there's an element, there's an aspect of God that is so removed from the world that your actions are almost all considered equal before him. And because of that, therefore, because of this distance of Sov of Kalam into the world, we can do tshuva. We can say, yeah, right now I'm acting this way, but guess what? I can act a completely different way starting from right now. We're not stuck in the life that we find ourselves in because we're not only receiving a limited sort of light in life, but rather we can tap into all the infinite possibilities from Sov of Kalamin. Page 25. Even if somebody right now is a Rasha Gamor. Have you guys learned about the different categories that the, the Alter Rebbe gives in Tanya? Different categories of Jews? Okay, so the highest category is called a Tzadik Gamor, which means a completely righteous person. Oh. But isn't it so that a tzaddik who doesn't have an evil inclination to sin is less than a tzaddik who has to even, like, really has the desire to sin but, re- like, resists it? So a tzaddik doesn't have any desire to sin. The moment we say tzaddik, okay. his animal soul and his natural, like, animalistic instincts are so subdued and hidden okay. that he doesn't even have the desire to sin. Also a complete tzaddik, also a non-complete tzaddik. The difference between the two, I think we might have mentioned this before, is how much they love God. So a complete tzaddik loves God completely and therefore hates anything that opposes God completely. And a non-complete tzaddik still has no inclination to sin but loves God a little bit less um, and therefore hates anything that opposes God a little bit less. So that's tzaddik. A tzaddik doesn't even have the desire to sin. Okay. Then we have what's called a bainani. A bain, yeah. Oh, um, like people who would yeah. fall into these categories? Or history if there's no modern day studies. So, yeah. So, okay. So when we say it's Sadiq Gomer, a complete Sadiq versus a non-complete Sadiq, that's like a very, very hard thing to know looking from the outside. Because 
the way that they act is like the same and their instincts are, are the same. The difference is so minute. The Alter Rebbe says that one of them has like a tiny, 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 tiny remnants of evil somewhere, somewhere left in his soul, but that doesn't ever come up to the surface. And one of them doesn't even have that tiny remnant, something that we can't see from the outside. But when we say a tzaddik, it's a person who lives on a different, like basically with a different perspective of the world than we do. It's a person who can see the world for the truth of what it is. And who, um, so throughout history, so a famous tzaddik is David HaMelech. And the reason for that is because David HaMelech said, um, in Tehillim, and my heart is empty within me. And he was referring, what do you mean you, you have to have a heart if you're alive? He was referring to his animal heart, right? We have two souls. He said, like, there's nothing left. I, I completely got rid of my animal, like, not of my animal soul, but of my Yetzirah, my in evil inclination. Like, it's empty. It's empty. There's only the desire for good there. Um, so, so we have, you know, Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, all of, the, all of these figures that we learn about, these are tzaddikim who were in touch with completely different um, levels of God than regular people can be in touch with. So now who does that thousand years? Well, yeah, it does. There are tzaddikim today. There's an idea that there are 36, 36 hidden tzaddikim in every single generation, either hidden or revealed, that there has to be a certain amount of tzaddikim in every generation to keep the world kind of going. Um, but it's more rare, even among like what Rebbeim, Rebbe's leaders, will usually, you know, they're usually not Sadiqim. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're Bainanim. Even that's rare. And what's that? So what's a I'll, I'll tell you in a second. Yeah. I, yeah, it was just about, um, you said that David Amalek like, was a Sadiqim, but he also sinned. So like, yeah, so that's a big... He had some <laughs> desires in his heart. He married a lot of wives, even though he wasn't encouraged by Hashem. And I think that was Shlomo. But he, did David have also um, like over 70 or something like that? Didn't he? Did, did David have too many? I'm not sure if that was... But I think it was like the max. I think he had the max. And Shlomo. Compared to Shlomo, who seemed less, like, quantity-based, like, possessed the rest, like, great power of Shua. Yeah, so there's a big, it's a big kind of debate. Whether, first of all, it was even a sin. Whether it even was a sin. Or whether it wasn't. Whether he did... Yeah, like, it's not like outright like this is a sin. Then there's the idea that maybe he sinned, but then he completely, completely transformed himself and got rid completely of his evil inclination to the point that he was a tzaddik, which is possible. It's very, very, very rare. The Altarabba said that it is possible though. Um, within that story, there's like so many directions you can go. The, the, the one, I don't remember the source of this, but I remember learning that David Amelech actually did that the whole story with Bacheva to open up the channel and the gate of Teshuvah for everybody else. Mm -hmm. He did what he did so that we, so that he was able to do a proper, complete Teshuvah, which it says clearly that God forgave him. Like that's for sure not a question. Um, and from then, we all have the ability for Teshuvah because of him. So David, actually, the fact that I brought up David is a bit like of a more um, interesting one. He was definitely a tzaddik. That we don't, we don't. Nobody argues that he was a tzaddik, mm -hmm. a tzaddik of very, very, very high levels. Um, but that specific story is, is an interesting one. But an interesting one. Like uh, committing adultery with another man's wife. No, no, no. He his, her husband was dead. Oh. 
didn't he, he, he arrange for him? Was pregnant. Not that I remember. Like when, no. when he found out that she was pregnant, didn't he send them to Does the front anyone? line? No, 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 no. He sent him first to the front line, yeah. and he really? died, and then oh, he okay. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, which? Why did he? Why did he do that? Like. Let him live, you know. There's there's lots of questions, but no, no, no. It wasn't that. It okay. wasn't that. It wasn't that. And like, there are, yeah, there Jacob, are. He 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 lied for the. I don't know what he said in English, but for his father to. Okay, so so that he could get the blessings. Yeah, exactly. So so this is an interesting like discussion that when we look at history and we look at these figures, on the one hand, the way that like Orthodox Judaism looks at them is that these are tzaddikim, righteous people of levels that we can't even comprehend today. But we also do learn about all their mistakes, right? But then again, they're not... The, the, the perspective that Chabad has like, on all these mistakes is that none of them were actually mistakes. They were choices that they made that maybe God would have preferred them to take a different choice. They never made a mistake. Because if you make a mistake, that means you're unconscious. Like you're, you're not thinking. And, and we don't ever say that about any of these, these figures. So on the one hand, we hold the rule is like the higher somebody is, the more of a tzaddik he is, the more of a level he's held up to. So something that we, if we would do, it wouldn't even be considered the tiniest sin, but for them it would be considered like, oh my gosh, they rebelled against God because they're a tzaddik and because they're held to such a high level, even this thing that they did and this thing that they did um, will be judged. Some, Yaakov though, that whole story with Yaakov, like it, it wasn't even considered a negative thing at all, like that he, that he did that, um, that he lied, yeah. So there's a whole explanation of how he didn't lie. He just like whispered some of the words quietly and said some of the words aloud. It's each, but <laughs> um, well, we can go. We can spend like the, the whole the next whole year looking at all of these stories of these people figures in the in the Torah and saying, okay, well, why did they do that and why did that? And the truth is that great commentators have already done that um, and have explained them. And um, and so we not we're not going to get into that. Also because I don't know enough. <laughs> that's, that's the main reason. Um, but also that's, that's not like what we're going to get into. But when we learn about these figures, when we learn about the Avot, our forefathers, um, when we learn about the prophets, when we learn about the Shoftim, the judges, these were considered completely righteous men. We learn about all their mistakes as well. And again, we don't have mistakes, but there are choices that maybe could have been done differently. And the reason that they're recorded is for lessons for us, for generations. But we have to always remember that, that, um, these are, that we're talking about tzaddikim. It's a very big difference, you'll notice, between um, a lot of orthodox, more like Haredi ways of, of learning Torah and more modern ways of learning Torah. Like the moment you go into like a more maybe modern orthodox approach to even, more, even like um, more from conservative, I, guess, I, don't know, I don't know what box I put into, the more people will look at these figures and look at them as regular people and say, okay, that's a regular person, and if a regular person, like, he had narcissistic disorder, or he had this, or he had this. A girl last year brought the most weird, the weirdest book about Yosef and how he was, like, autistic or something. What? How Yosef, it was like, I was like, where does this, like, proving from all the, like, so when we look at the Torah and we look at these figures, we see them as perfect people who we can learn lessons from. But we never doubt the fact that these were, that these were, righteous people who had connections to God that are like un unparalleled. Anyway, I know that that's a tangent, but, but it's an important distinction between more like Haredi Orthodox kind of ways of looking at these stories and figures. Um, but we see, for example, the Rebbe as being a complete tzaddik. Um, and the 
other Chesrik Rabbeim and Litvish leaders of those times, they were tzaddikim. Today, today it's more and more Unfortunately, it is. Even if somebody's a leader, even if... So, so there's the tzaddik, and then there's the distinctions of the tzaddik, which we don't know. Like, we can never be like, okay, that was a complete tzaddik versus a non-complete tzaddik. That's something that we can't know. Then there's something called a bainani. Bainani is somebody who is a regular person, which means he has an evil inclination. He has desires, just like the rest of us, but he never, ever, ever listens to them. He has such self-control on a constant basis that he lives as if he's a tzaddik. Like, he looks to be a tzaddik. He's completely righteous. He never sins. But he, um, he has a heart just like the rest of us. He has instincts and desires that come up to the surface, but before they even come up into his thought, he's already pushed them away. Um, and that is why Tanya is called Sefer Shalbenonim, because the whole premise of Tanya, of the Altarabba, is that we can get there. That is what we need to aspire to. That is like our, not to be a tzaddik, because to get rid of our natural instincts and our animal tendencies, that is not possible even for us, not even in a negative way. It's just not what's expected of us. It's not what the point of the whole world is. We need to be regular people who are serving God. So that's a, a benoni. Um, and even a benoni, it's hard to know. Like you can't, it's hard to, for us to look at someone and say, okay, that's a benoni and that's a tzaddik because like they look, they look the same. Um, they look the same from the outside. Their actions are the same. A benoni's love for God comes when he prays and then it leaves when he stops praying so when he prays he doesn't even have the desire to sin but the moment he stops praying he no longer he no he, he desires sin like everybody else yeah but isn't the benoni higher than a tzaddik then because like benoni has more effort yeah yeah like so so it depends when we say higher like more what's valued especially within Chabad Hasidus is the benoni yeah, like that's what we value. We value hard work. And within Benani, this category, there's a Benani who doesn't have to work for it because he was just born with like this natural kind of sensitivity towards spirituality and he doesn't even desire, it says like he doesn't desire food and women and, or men. Like it's like somebody who's, what would the term be? I don't even know. Um, who's just like not into physical things. Like just... Not materialistic. Yeah, non-materialistic person. So there's someone who can like almost be like a, a Benoni by default, but he still has to, like, he still has to work. Um, we don't value a Benoni like that. We value more a Benoni who works for it. Um, and that's really what we're, we're, we're striving for. And there's an idea of Benoni moments, that we can have a moment where we're a Benoni, where we have this inclination, where we choose, you know, and this, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving in to that. Um, and then, like, for that moment, we, we can be a Benoni, and that's what we're striving towards. Um, and then there's the category of what's called Rasha. This is kind of where it gets controversial because basically, like, way more than a majority, way more than 95% of Jews fall into this category of actually of Rasha. Rasha means an evil person. What does that mean? The Al-Turabi describes as two levels. There's an incomplete Rasha and there's a complete Rasha. An incomplete Rasha is somebody who has the inclination to sin and who sins sometimes. Like, maybe even if he sinned once, he's already not a Bainani because a Bainani is someone who doesn't sin. He's considered an incomplete Russia, somebody who does something and it's so like extreme. Like even if somebody, say a man who has an obligation to learn Torah the whole day and he missed out on time to learn Torah, he falls into that category. So basically everybody falls into that category of what we call it uh, Rasha She'en Gamor. He does a lot of good things, but he also does some things that are against the truth. And then we have someone called a Rasha Gamor. That's also very rare. A Rasha Gamor is somebody who's like majority, majority, Sin, I guess we would call it. That's like also just a, that's a hard person.
to find. Um, somebody who has gotten so desensitized to the truth and to God that he's actively kind of going against everything that God stands for on a constant basis, like on purpose, basically, and all the time, like majority. Um, he's got only a tiny little bit of good left within him, deep within his heart, he has to go and find it. So that's kind of the categories that the al Rabbi describes is there like in the Tanya. Is there like a complete evil person that is like pure evil? So, so you could say it's Rasha Gamor, but the, the, the al Rabbi says that he still has good within him. It's just like been buried, basically. It's still there, but it's like just... It's far, far, far deep inside. So everyone has something good inside of them, even the everyone. person in history. Yeah, yeah. And the Rebbe, the Lubavsher, the seventh Rebbe, was adamant that if somebody is a Jew, they, they have mitzvahs. Like, even if they're, like, um, actively rebelling all the time and trying to, like, every single Jew has mitzvahs. Every single Jew is going to um, be resurrected and go to Mashiach. We're going to learn, um, I think, throughout the year a little bit more about that, like, about the world to come um, and things like that. But the Russia Gummer and the Russia Gummer both have like good that's buried because why else would you sin? So uh Russia Sha'ina Gummer, the good is not necessarily buried. He could be a very good person. Even if he has one tiny sin, he's already in that category. Right, so then I thought you said that a Russia Gummer is hard to find, but like No, so the the the, the spectrum of Russia Sha'ina Gomer to Russia Gomer is huge. Every one of the spectrums are huge. Like every level that the ultra brings has tons and tons and tons of levels. It says that there are tens of thousands of levels of tzaddikim, for example. Every tzaddik finds himself on a different level. It's, it's, and it's got to do with minute differences. So within a Rosh Hashanah Gamur, there are many levels. There's someone who's one time in his whole life sinned, in the case of Rosh Hashanah Gamur, and somebody who sins all the time, but still has a good... Um, the difference that the altar gives is somebody who, who, when he does things that are not, he's not supposed to do, he feels bad about them. That's a Russia shame. Yeah. Somebody who like doesn't feel bad ever at all for anything that they did, that's a Russia Gummer. That's that's like a psychopath. I and mean, it's like that's that, that that that's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. Somebody who does things and then never feels bad. That's kind of like the distinction there within that. And then the the, the distinction between the tzaddikim is like how much love do they have for God? And there's like an infinite amount of levels of how much God you can have for God. So that's like how. Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, let's con- we'll continue, we can continue this after. Okay, like, okay. or you can write your question, I'm happy to talk about after. Um, I don't even remember how it came up, honestly. We were oh, Rasha Gomer, there we go. Okay, it says it inside. Even if somebody right now is a complete Russia, so I guess you'd say he's a psychopath, he's like, he finds himself really, really low down, really far away. He can change himself to become a great tzaddik. And this is because of the sovev that is present here. We can completely change our life in a moment because of the sovev. Because of our mitzvahs. Our mitzvahs draw down the sovev and it changes the reality and the build up and the makeup of this, specifically this world. And this is why it says in Prikavot, a famous um, pasuk that comes up again and again and again in Hasidus, Yafa Sha'a Echat. It's preferable one hour, the tshuva umasim tovim, of teshuva, of returning, and of good deeds, in this physical world, from the entire life of the world to come. One moment of teshuva or good deeds in this world, far, far, uh, what's the word? 
surpasses, outweighs, thank you. Sometimes it's just um, surpasses the entire lifetime of the world to come because the lifetime of the world to come has many infinite levels as you can ascend. You're always within levels. You're always within division. You're always within mamale. In this world, one moment draws down the sovev, which is such an infinite level that allows us to change in a moment. And this is where the possibility for teshuva comes from. Because the life of the world to come that it's referring to in this verse is only, and when we say only, it's, it's a very lofty light, but it's the light of which is a contracted and concealed and limited amount of, of, of light, as it says that with a yud, the entire world to come was created. A yud is like a tiny little point. With one point, the whole world to come was created. But when we learn Torah and when we do good deeds in this world, we are drawing down from levels of Sovev Kolomen. This is the main reason why the soul left the world to come, left basking in the rays of the Shekhinah and descended to be in this world. To become enclosed and one and bound with a physical body. Because in this world, there is a revelation of Sovev, and through this, a person can refine and can transform from bad to good. The catch of this is that we can also go the opposite way, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like there's the good and the bad. There's the advantage of the pros and cons of each. The pro of the well to come is that you don't ever sin, you can't become bad, right? The con of the well to come is you can't ever change at all. The pro of this world is that you can change. You can become a better person. The con of this world is that you can also change the negative, and that's why that's the that's the challenge of having free choice. But that's also the advantage of the free choice that we have. And according to how much work a person has, not la adam shanei chayav. A person is given a certain amount of years to live, but a limited allotted amount of time. This person is given 70 years, and this person is given 80, etc. This is in order, according to how much he needs to refine himself and the world around him, and to transform from good to bad. From bad to good, hopefully. Yes. So what it's saying here is that when a soul comes down in this world, it's essentially bad. Mm. No, it's like neutral, isn't it? So it, it has to transform from back so, so I think we spoke about this briefly at the beginning. <clears throat> I think not, I think you mentioned this, that like it sounds so negative that we're saying that like the environment oh. around us is kind of like... I think it was you who brought yeah, it up. Yeah, I remember. She remember that, that I said this? Like, that you were saying, wait, it sounds so negative. Like the environment around us is out to get us. Everyone's out to get us. We have to like automatically be doing teshuva every single day just by default of being alive, right? Oh, yeah. And so, so, so that's the idea that just the fact that we live in this world, we have to refine the world around us. It's like we were given raw material. Like Adam was put in the Garden of Eden, la'avda or shamra to work it. Right. Like Adam wasn't put in a perfect world so that he could perfect it. Well, so we have work to do. Yeah, but it said the soul wants to come down to transform the animal soul and body from bad to good, which means which means that there's there there's bad to transform. Um, 
in, in, yeah. in the soul? It's not the, it's the animal soul. It's the animal soul. So, it's yeah. But it didn't even know about the animal soul. Only when it, oh, it does know about the animal soul. Before it comes down, I guess yeah. it's given it's given a bit of a picture, you know, what life is going to be like, and then it doesn't want to come. You guys know that whole song? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where the, <laughs> I love that song. I think it's I was going to say, like, like, it doesn't actually, the soul doesn't actually want to come down. Yeah, the soul doesn't really want to come down. But here it says it does want to come down. That's what the song says. It doesn't actually say here that the soul wants to come down, but it doesn't say it explicitly. But the truth is that, because when we're discussing the difference between Mamali and Soviv, the soul by coming down and by working on itself and working on the world is accessing a level of God it could never, ever, ever reach, no matter how many infinite years it spends in Gan Eden, right. it can reach it only in this world. It's like gambling. <laughs> like, like, Why? Like, you know, like it's, in, it's in Shabbat, right? It's just chilling, basking in God. And then it's like, oh, I could come down to earth and like maybe come back higher or maybe come back way lower depending on how my life is. Isn't it like that? Like, like, just like... Our mission that was for this and for even for the like for the greatest singer as we talk is to just make the progress, like not the regular right. thing because like we have to work with that doesn't matter if it's like the yes or aura is still there and the fact is that like like Kabbalah has different perspectives from like like some say that for example saying like it takes for to everyone uh, <laughs> to like the like when a, a child like under the bar mitzvah age like like especially like prays or like devils or whatever the, their prayers are the highest one so if you want yeah. if you want to like, like yeah so I'll finish to, like to give a breath but some says that yes aura of the of, of a child is unlimited yeah so life. so I'll finish I'll finish along this vein that that. Because um, you, you said about gambling, also like that we're taking a link, taking a gamble. Um, the perspective that that one just doing one mitzvah down here is already better than staying up there, and everyone does at least one mitzvah. Like I always bring the example that even bad people love their moms, and that's kibbutz aim. Like, like every villain like loves their mom, right? Um, so it's like no matter like it's not really a gamble. We're coming out better. We're coming out better than where we started. How much better is up to us. Does that make sense? Okay. One moment in this world is is worth is worth more than the entire world to come. One moment. Even That's if you crazy. even if you spend it's all crazy. the whole thing sitting well, like like isn't there So if you spend one moment doing something good, then it's already worth it. Okay. And that should help us give value and importance to the good things that we do because sometimes we um, really diminish that, right, for ourselves. Like, I did that, but, like, I also did way more worse things. And we need to appreciate the value and the importance of what we're doing. And that's really, like, a message that Hasidus, like, bangs home again and again and again, the importance of our mitzvahs and the truth that we are reaching, that we are touching every single time we do that. And... As I said, it comes with a cost. The soul coming down here comes with the cost of that. It can choose either way. But when we are able to choose teshuva, we can reach levels and we can become people that uh, we could never even have dreamed that we could have become. And we're going to see why Elul is like really that time to do that. So let's read one more paragraph here. I think this is the end. Yeah of chapter 3. She kol yom, that every day, 
Mavara or Mahape Chilekechad. A person refines and transforms, hopefully, one one thing, one portion, one part of himself. To the point that the years of his life, Nishlam, he's able to complete what he was needed to refine. This is the reason why the soul came down to this world. So that we were given a world that needs to be worked. We were, God created an incomplete world, right? God put Adam in the garden and said, work. It's like, what do you mean work? You just worked. You just made the world. What do I need to do? And God's, well, I didn't make everything complete yet. You need to, I made wheat, but you need to turn it into bread. I gave you seeds, but you need to plant them. So, yeah. Can sometimes the count of you, like, refining the world is just not doing anything? Like, okay, sorry, the context of this question is, like, I've just met some people, and I'm really a thought, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, I just have... Anyways, I'm like, I'm not sure what their purpose is, but like, maybe, <laughs> maybe the reason why they're here is to like, like help, help me. Like, like anyways, this could be a larger discussion, but, but like, I, I just don't see them having done much good. <laughs> maybe that's just my limited perspective, but maybe they're there to teach us like that we should be better. Is that also an equally valid purpose? Everyone's here for a reason. God doesn't create people. So, so there is a perspective that, like, okay, I don't know how much I'll get in, into this. I'll get in trouble. But um, we can stop but, the when, recording. <laughs> when it. Stop recording. I'm trying to think. What? Oh, you didn't know that. Uh oh, I'm stopping you guys' questions. No, 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 don't. You can, we can take out any Wait, question that you don't want. What comes when you're saying this is like, no, okay, not, but you're not like when you judge someone based on one moment that you spend with them or a couple, you're not. For one, we can't judge, but also you don't know what they're gonna do next week or 50 years from now, what they did in the past, like. Guess it's, it's あの、いや、でちょっとあの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの
I was just going to add to your comment about the seniors. So I have worked with a lot of seniors who have transitioned from independent living to senior care living. <coughs> and majority of them, whether they have a lot of money or no money, majority of them, they're maybe not as much in the Jewish community or whatever, but they are left alone. Their kids yeah. never come and see them. Yeah. They never are visited. Yeah. And when I sit down and talk to them, these people are fascinating. Like people yeah. who were the head of the UN for 50 years and you would have never known it. You have people who invented um, and patented time management from 60 years ago. You didn't even know it. Mm -hmm. And here's all this wealth and knowledge just mm -hmm. sitting in this bank of these retirement homes. Yeah. And what I would learn is that us as young people, whether whatever age, it's our responsibility to tap into that knowledge because they went through all these years to feed back into us, but we're looking at them as, well, then they have nothing to, what are they, they're just sitting there for the next 15, 20, however many years, just letting their lives go. But I feel like at that age, then it becomes our responsibility right. to go into mm -hmm. them, yeah. into these facilities, into these homes, and sit down and draw out and then support them and, and feed back into them. So it's like yeah. a cycle. But like, we don't do that. The, the Reb, you know, the Rebbe really changed a lot of that, especially how, like, many religious Jews looked at non-religious Jews. They said, like, why are you bothering to put tefillin on them? Like, you don't know where they're going and what they did. There was a huge... Have you seen the, the tefillin stands? And yeah. There was a huge backlash. There's still backlash, but there was a huge backlash from the religious community against it, saying, what are you wasting your time with these people? Like, you don't know... They didn't, like, wash their hands in the morning, and m many of them aren't wearing shirts. You know, they're on the beach, and, like, they're not dressed. So, like, what are you... like? what are you wasting your time and the rebel was like what excuse me like it's our responsibility now that if you grew up religious and you know more you have a responsibility to go and share that with absolutely everybody so so um it's hard when you're like you know when there's a specific example some people um you know some people for other people for your health maybe you need to just not have anything to do with them like that's that's, you know, that's already an individual case-by-case -case thing. Some people need to be in jail. Like, that's where they need to be for the rest of their lives. And that's their job. Like, stay in jail and work on yourself there and don't come back into society. That, that exists as well. Mm. But as a general thing, we have a, a job to do, right? And the Rebbe was at it, like... You look, you see somebody, you don't see the potential. That's your job then, you know? You see this child, it's like, what's going to be their life? That's your job to figure that out and help them figure that out. Um, it's easier to just say, like, I know my mission. I'm going to, you know, you kind of, I don't know what you're doing here. It's easier. But again, when it comes to a specific thing and specific damage that was caused by one person, sometimes it is, the, you know, leave them, like, we don't have to befriend and involve every single person in our personal life if it's not productive for us that you know mm -hmm. so there's so like yeah you can learn something from sometimes like, you can learn something from staying away behave the opposite yeah. Somebody, yeah yeah but but um hopefully people will take your healthy boundaries right and right yourself because we're always is that fine line of we think that where do you pour into where do you give where do you serve and yet then where do you serve yourself in yeah. the sense of, of loving and honoring thyself because uh, so that you can help yourself, people more right? so that you can yeah. like so that, that not balance. yeah so so there's always that balance but at the end of the day like god doesn't make people by accident you know every single person was created by god like their soul was put into them by god like that doesn't just happen by mistake 
you know. Um, but the way we interact with each individual person, it changes on the circumstance, obviously. Um, that was a big, <laughs> was a big question, something to, to yeah. really think about. Um, okay. Well, it, like, we're, we're all the time, I think, seeing, like, some, some really dark, like, things going on in the world, and we're wondering, like, what is this abandoned place? Like, like what's what the purpose? This, what is this? No, not I mean, like... What is it like? Like, is it, was it just like a blank for for Hashem to like leave? Whatever, you know, whatever. Like, like uh, how is how is this blank space, space existing? Like, what is the limit to evil in the world that we we've seen? You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's you know it's hard, but if if you're gonna be like, it's it's very hard not like, and we're not tend to ignore it. But we're we're tend to do like just kind of a mission with it, like do do the work with it, yep. and so yeah, every every day is like is it is it small 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 Yeah, the the altar says, "Call yom avar or mahapet chelak echad." Every day, we need to refine and transform another portion. Okay. We're here for a reason, guys. <laughs> Get to work. <laughs> Have a great day. Enjoy all the rest of your learning.